Something is bubbling among women today. Women crave honest stories that entertain, motivate, and move them. Women want reinforcement that they are not alone in feeling the way that they do and that they can feel good about their prospects. Stories and Strategies for Women podcast will share riveting stories about amazing women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. A good story well told is powerful. A good story can motivate. A good story can inspire action. Our sponsor for this segment is iBobs, your fun go-to place for eyeglasses and readers. iBobs announces a new offering for spring and summer. Any iBobs frame can now be made into sunglasses. As well, sunglass readers are now available without the line. Remember to use the promo code STORIESANDSTRAT10 for your 10% off discount today at iBobs.com. Fun to wear and fun to buy. Welcome to Stories and Strategies for Women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. With us today is Lori Palau. Lori is the owner of the company Simply Be Organized. You can find her at her website, simplybetheletterborganized.com. She is also the author of Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized, and a podcast host of a podcast called This Organized Life. Welcome, Lori. Thanks so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for being with us. So the the topic of getting organized is a really popular topic. And every it's the kind of thing where everybody wants to do it, but they just don't know how to do it. Everyone wants to do it. But how do they do it? You know, how to get started. And I know your, uh, your philosophy and what you've taught, the, there's an aspect to it that's that's unique and different. And that there's an emotional component. It's not just you just don't feel like doing it, or you don't know what the proper containers are to buy. So I was hoping that you could speak to that a little bit to kind of give us a frame of reference uh, to the type of work that you do, and maybe have people thinking a little differently about getting organized. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting, I've been doing this, I started my business in 2009. So I feel like I've been doing it for like 150 years. (laughs) And when I started it, I kind of was thinking in preparation for this conversation, you know, how my business has like grown and evolved over the past, you know, 10, 12 years that I've been doing this. And it really has, you know, from where I started, my goal was always to help people. And I saw that people when they were surrounded by clutter or disorganization was causing stress. And I know that for myself, I was creating organizational systems and strategies for my own sanity. So as much as I loved a pretty bin or pantry or whatever, really it was about how I felt, how that like made me feel when I walked into a space and I didn't see dishes in the sink or I went to look for something and I knew exactly where it was. And so it's kind of hard for me to, it was at the time, it was really hard for me to kind of pinpoint that and articulate it. I just knew it was how I felt. And I saw my friends struggling and I go, like, you're struggling over silly stuff, which really isn't silly. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you're getting annoyed over, you know, keys and toys and laundry. Like, it doesn't really matter. So let's figure out how to make it work. And so the longer that I did it, I started to really identify how that emotional component really had a big 
role in the physical clutter. And so I started to develop this framework to just have language around it. And so I broke it down into three specific categories. So a lot of times I'll refer to things and I just want to kind of give some context. So we talk about physical clutter, which is the stuff that you see. It's the obvious things, laundry, mail, dishes, clothes, all of the stuff. Then emotional clutter is what stems from either guilt or fear. And a lot of times that's the unknown, that's the anxiety producing. And emotional clutter, some people are more inclined to kind of have that more sentimental struggling of, should I get rid of it? Should I not? Other people process things really quickly and are like, I don't need that anymore. Get rid of it. And then the third type of clutter that I talk about is what I call calendar clutter, which is that whole overscheduled, being productive with your time, that whole busy versus productive, using your time wisely. Um, we have all, you know, present company included, have gotten lost on that, you know, social media rabbit hole or whatever it is. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I just wasted an hour on whatever. So it's really kind of looking at all three or each of these three different types of clutter that can all interweave. And some people struggle with all of them. Some people really struggle with one or two. But first identifying what your own individual roadblocks are, I think is really helpful for people. Because again, we don't ever want to use these things as an excuse, but it gives language and it gives you a starting place. And so that's kind of what I've, in, in preparation of the book, for anybody that's interested, we kind of lay things out in, the, in that framework to be able to kind of give you that direction. And what I found is really the pitfalls of procrastination and indecision and guilt and overwhelm are really the driving forces for most people. And like you said at the top of the conversation, it's more than just being lazy. A lot of times people don't do things because they have a fear of making a mistake. And so the that like kind of analysis paralysis, you know, that people are like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, or I don't really know what that means. So I'm not going to do anything, or this is stressing me out. I don't have a strategy. So I'm just going to shut the door. <laughs> and so you see that more often than I just don't want to do it. Right. And so what I do is try to help people say, okay, well, let's, let's unpack it a little bit. Let's unpack what's causing you stress? What do you want this space to look like? And sometimes the bin in the basket is the solution. And sometimes it's not, you know, I always say I'm not a product pusher. Products are absolutely essential for certain levels of organization, but it's not the end all be all. And, you know, most people want to, you know, they'll buy something, they'll see it either Nowadays, you know, used to be they'd see it in a magazine or, you know, they're at the store and it's on an end cap or now it's on social media yeah, and Pinterest like, going to solve my problem. Right. right. And without understanding, you know, what, where your clutter's coming from, that's really just going to add to the problem. So I always try to say, like, I'm not denying you of that pretty bin and basket, but we want to make sure that we're changing behavior because so much of what we do has to do with your mindset, not just the action itself. 
Absolutely. So let's say I'm your client, Lori, and I say we determine together that I have calendar clutter. I have just too much going on. What what would be the process? How would the process go from there? So what I like to do is work with you about saying, okay, let's let's just brain dump your day. Right. So we're going to assess and calendar clutter and emotional clutter are a little bit more difficult to articulate because physical clutter, you see it. It's literally right in front of your face. You're staring at a pile of paper. You're staring at, you know, a playroom full of toys or whatever it is. So calendar clutter, we have to actually be intentional about saying, okay, let's look at what are you doing with your day? And just like you would do, a, if anybody who's ever done a food dro- diary, you know, or journal, whatever. It's not fun, but writing down all of the different things that you do in a day. And I always encourage people to do it for seven days. So anybody that's listening here can do this. This isn't like rocket science and it doesn't have to be done in a a fancy program or app. I mean, you could do whatever works for you. I even have a time block, um, a free like time block checklist that you can, or not checklist, but like a downloadable thing if you want. But literally just write down everything you do from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed and do it seven days a week, for seven days rather. Because some days you'll see are busier than others. And, you know, whether you are someone who's a professional that's working outside the home or you are a stay-at-home parent and you're just juggling household, kids, all the things. And write down, and what a lot of people will find is they have more activities than time in their day. Mm -hmm. So if you think about physical clutter in a closet, if you are constantly bringing in new clothes, you're constantly going shopping, but you're not purging any of the other tasks or the other clothes, eventually your closet's going to be overwhelming and bursting at the seams. And you're not even going to be able to see what you have because it's just going to be so overwhelmed. Well, the same thing happens with our calendar. And a lot of times we'll say, oh, sure, I'll volunteer for this or I'll do this or I'll drive to this or I'll sit on this committee or whatever it is. And we don't remove things or we try to cram it all in or we shame ourselves for not doing one thing for the other. And again, I'm not, this is not a a shaming of social media, but we look at a snapshot of what someone's doing and we're like, they can do it all, which Again, they can't, you know, it's just you're seeing little bits and pieces. And we set these, we create these narratives that we have to do more and be busy and all of these things. And what's interesting is last year at this time, I, you know, obviously we were right in the midst of COVID, at least at the time that we're recording this, right? So the end of the end of March, beginning of April, everyone everyone was slowing down. And there was, I had done a whole series on, you know, this is time when people can kind of catch up and whatever. And then it shifted. And I saw more people stressed with calendar clutter because there was no off switch. We were on 24 hours a day. And even though you weren't necessarily driving your kids to 20 different activities or commuting to work, everything got blurred. Like all the lines got blurred between work and school and home and 
everything. And everybody was together and there was no breaks. And I had more people that were struggling with calendar clutter and knowing when to create those margins and those boundaries because you didn't have those natural breaks. Like, oh, my commute home is, I get this time to myself to either think, listen to a podcast, catch up with a friend on the phone, whatever it is, or I drop my kids at their activity and I have time to go run an errand or do things, all of a sudden we're all together and everything's getting dumped like in one big pot. And people were really, really struggling with how to create that. And so we had to kind of redefine what are we going to do and how are we going to create those guardrails? How are we going to build that margin in? And it's, it's funny because we're great at adding stuff and activities into our into our schedule, but we're really poor at building in that margin, giving us some breathing room. Yeah, and the margin can almost make you more productive, right? If you if you add breaks. A hundred percent. And that's really I mean, how many people have ever said, I had this great idea and it came to me in the shower? Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> Yep. Well, because that's like the one of the few times when you don't have 10 different distractions that are going on at once. So our brains are really, that's when they have time to think and to recharge and for you to process information. When we're constantly in the state of motion and we're constantly doing, it doesn't give us time to really kind of plan and strategize. Now you can get stuck in the in the other side where, you know, there's people that are uber planners and planners and planners and planners, and eventually you have to execute. So it's kind of, you know, there's people that think about organizing and I'm like thinking about organizing and planning about organizing and buying organizing products doesn't do the trick. It's And I always make the analogy of like buying a, an expensive high-end pair of running sneakers. You know, people could be like, I'm going to start running and they buy this like greatest product that's you know on the market but if you don't put them on and hit the road it's not it doesn't it doesn't help it's you're not solving the problem and so you have to actually do it so it's that combination of finding that sweet that sweet spot between pausing enough to plan but then actually pulling the trigger and doing taking action on it and that's kind of where i come into play Got it. Okay. So if you take the time to document your calendar and you identify where your calendar clutter is, then you can start making some changes. Yeah. And so what I tell people to do, so once you do that, once you do kind of like that brain dump and you see all these things, first of all, what I try to do is say, let's look at some of the easy things that are, where can you batch Right. So I look at like batching. So think of that like you would be zoning a, a kitchen. How can you put like with like? So if you're somebody, you're like, I, I'm, I'm on the phone here and I'm on the phone there. And then I'm checking email. Like, where can you batch things together? Where can you say, okay, Monday mornings, I'm going to catch up on all the phone calls, doctors, whatever you want to do. And I'm generalizing, right? I'm like kind of just, but where can you say, okay, I'm going to check email for certain times. I'm going to allow this time, basically giving everything a home or assignment. And so that's one strategy. 
doesn't always work. And it, again, every day, it could be on Wednesdays, I do this. On doesn't have to be every single day looks the same. As a matter of fact, it probably won't because our lives aren't so linear. You know, you're going to have days and there might be days where you can say, I can't do this. So that's the thing is you're going to, the first thing I tell people is what here that you brain dump, can you either delegate to somebody else you can just ditch, like get it out. Like, I don't really need to be doing this. I can just abandon abandon ship altogether. Where can I delegate it to either a coworker, a spouse, a child, whatever, have somebody else do this actual task? And what do I really, what do I really need to do? Like, what is only mine to do? And so a lot of times we'll have things that we're doing that we don't really need to be, and they're taking up time. And so then you look at the things of what are the things that I enjoy doing and what are the things that I not enjoy doing? And again, we're going to all, we're all grownups. We all have things on our plates that we don't enjoy doing, but we still need to do them. But again, there, and there are certain things that we might enjoy doing, even though we don't really need to, like I enjoy walking my dog. I could easily delegate that task, but I like that quiet time and it gives me some exercise and I get to clear my head. So I choose not to delegate that, even though I could easily say to my kids, you need to walk the dog. So I think you need to look at what are the parts, what are the things on your plate that are the non-negotiables and make sure that they're plugged in and then figure out the things that don't fit in. Well, what are we going to do with them? Because if you have X amount of waking hours and you've got a longer list, something's got to give. Things are going to be falling through the cracks. And one of the biggest things I see where people struggle with calendar clutter is a lack of communication, is articulating either A, asking for help, Right. And a lot of times that can come from a sense of pride. Like I feel like, and I went through this. I was a stay at home mom for many years before I went back to work or work outside the house. But I, I felt like this is my job. Like I, I have to do this. This is my job. I need to do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the chauffeuring, all the, you know, like I have to do it all. And like that's just a false narrative. And so I think we need to look at, First of all, being okay with asking for help, being okay with saying either no or not right now or not this time. If we say, I'm sorry, I can't do this, I can't sit on this committee or I can't volunteer or I can't lead a committee, but I could sit on a committee, right? Or whatever it is, I could still help. I think having that communication is really important and saying, this is my bandwidth right now. And a lot of times it's, we're in different seasons of our lives and we have times where things have to go on the back burner and that's okay. And that's where a lot of people feel like they just need somebody to give them that permission. And so a lot of times I'm just basically saying to somebody, it's okay. It's okay to say, I can't get to this right now. You know, I can't do this in this particular for the next month because we have a lot else going on. And have you seen this procedure change people's lives? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a combination. And again, usually counter clutter, physical clutter, like that they're all kind of intertwined. And when and when we can start to to say, 
yes, let's let's implement these strategies of where I'm struggling and try to say this is this is where I need help. That's when that's when it happens. And sometimes calendar clutter can come because people legitimately have like processing issues or executive function. And I do a lot of work. You know, you and I were talking offline. I, you know, I have a daughter that has executive functioning issues. So I've done a lot of work with people helping them understand because and develop strategies that are going to work for them because some people, despite their best intentions, just don't intuitively have the ability and need some extra support. Um, and so just identifying and knowing that is huge and yeah. in developing those systems. I imagine it would be groundbreaking, um, in, you know, personally. And you are talking about things that are really difficult for adults to work through. And it takes work and it takes time and it takes analysis. For a, a child, it must be even more so. And you mentioned your daughter. You did a very special podcast episode with your daughter. And I think we said it was episode 138 <clears throat> on your podcast, This Organized Life. And I thought her story was so, she was so honest and she was so adorable in it. And it's just something that maybe parents, grandparents don't consider when they're trying to help a child get a room organized or do their chores or do their homework. And I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit and what she shared and, you know, what may be the reason that a child is, is held back in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thanks for the kind words. And, so I have two kids and my older daughter likes to stay kind of quiet in the wings. And my younger daughter is like, she's my super out there person. So everything, you know, I'd asked her if she wanted to come on the show. This was a couple years ago. She's 17 now. So I think she was like 15 at the time and talk about her struggles. She talked so about her dating she, life a little bit too. That was adorable. She did. <laughs> she, um, but she has ADD. And she has some procedural processing issues, specifically with auditory processing. So for anybody that um, either knows about it or has kids that maybe are struggling. So she is um, she's great with things written down. But when it comes to auditory hearing processing, she struggles with that. So we have to like, I could go up and say to her, I need you to go upstairs, make your bed, brush your teeth, put your clothes in the hamper. And she is going to like only hear maybe a third of that. And part of that's the ADD. And part of it is just the fact that her auditory processing, she hears like one every third word. So we have to write stuff down. So imagine as a parent, especially somebody who's organized every day, it's like the same thing. And you would think I was, and I would get frustrated. Here we go again. And then I would lose my patience. And then I would have this, I feel bad because I'm setting the tone of the day with yelling at my kid. And it's here we go again. And why are you not listening? And then you think that they're not listening and they're being either stubborn or their heads in the clouds. When really in her case, like there was legitimately like a processing issue, like a neuro, you know, imbalance. And so what we started doing, this is after years of like assessments and going to doctors and therapists, but we, I wound up coming up with like a checklist system for her. So for her, what we did is, and I literally had an upstairs one and a downstairs one that I taped to the 
bathroom mirror and I had one that was taped to my refrigerator. And it was all of the routines or all the tasks that she had to do in before she came downstairs in the morning. Because again, my whole thing is, I always said, I just, my job is to raise kind functioning members of society. As a parent, that was what my job was. And I didn't want to be nagging you 10 times. How many parents are like, here we go again. So we figured out again through lots of trial and error that by developing this color coded, because she's like my visual, wants it to be pretty. So she helped make it. And we just did it like in Google Sheets, but you could do whatever and just say like, she literally had to check off and she knew. So instead of me going, did you do da 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 and going down this laundry list of things before she came downstairs or if she came downstairs, I said, did you check everything off your list? And so it was like one thing and she would go and she could see what was checked and what was missing. And that for us was a game changer. It was a game changer because it stopped me from having to nag. And every week we would just kind of, I just print out a new list or we, you know, we would do it. And then again, you could do, you could get super creative with your kids and their age by doing reward systems. If you want, give them an extra 15 minutes of bedtime or, you know, take them out, give them an extra, whatever you want to do. Like I think there's nothing wrong with a reward system if kids are doing something. I think positive reinforcement's great. Um, and it is, it was really big because it gave her that sense of responsibility and ownership. And I was very vocal with her. Like, you may have to take an extra few steps then your sister who I can just tell something to and is going to get it. And that was a really big thing for me when talking with adults, because a lot of times they're like, I have one kid that listens and one that doesn't. And why doesn't this kid do something? And it becomes this like contentious um, relationship over like basic stuff. And so we said, really trying to identify where are people struggling and saying, okay, let's develop a strategy that makes sense for them. So that's really kind of a lot of how, you know, the the work that I do when it comes to working with kids. Yeah, it's a great and you do work with kids individually, um, specifically. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to say with working with kids, and this is true for adults too, but specifically with kids, is being super specific with what you want. We have, and again, this goes back to that whole communication piece. We A lot of times we have a tendency to talk in these broad stroke generalizations, like I want you to go up and clean your room. And that's a really gray area. Like what is clean? Because my definition of a clean room might be very different. And shoving everything in a closet or under the bed on the surface, your room looks clean, but is it really truly clean? So I think first of all, that we, you go back to that whole feeling of overwhelmed and not knowing the strategy. You tell somebody to go clean their room and they're like, I've never been taught that. Like organization is a learned skill. And so a lot of times people are like, I don't even know how to do that. So we talk about the how, the how to do things, you know, sorting it into piles. And I mean, we could get into that if you want, but it's really about the basic how to do it. But it's what does that look like? So my advice, and I do this with my own kids when they were little, is break it into small very specific actionable tasks. For example, 
I want you to go up and put all of your clothes in the hamper, or I want you to put all of your Barbies in the bin, or I want you to pick up all your Legos, or I want you to put all your books on the bookshelf. Those are very specific tasks. And it does two things. First of all, it gives clarity that where where you don't have it when you just say, go up and clean your room. So it gives them specific clarity and direction. And then the second thing it does is it makes it less overwhelming because it's definable. I know when I do this task, then it's done. I know once I pick up all my clothes and put them in the hamper, then that is done. And so that releases me. It gives them an end time. And it lets them see the kind of like the end in sight as opposed to, I'm going to clean my room. I could be here for hours and I don't even know what that looks like. So true. I wish I had that tip when I was raising my children. And and the interesting thing is like it applies for adults too. You know, saying to yourself because organization is overwhelming and a lot of times again, we procrastinate because it's just we know that either we don't know what we want or we don't really know how to go about doing it or we don't know where is a good point to stop. And so saying, okay, I'm just going to do this drawer. I'm just going to do this shelf. I'm just going to do this area gives you gives you parameters as opposed to saying, I'm just diving into this abyss and I don't know when I'm coming up for air. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, someone gave me advice years ago when I started my working from home. And she said, actually, when you have, if I, I'm a to-do list girl, so she said, write down your chores alongside everything else you're doing. Write laundry mm-hmm. if you have laundry, and and gosh, that that made a really big difference because you you want to feel like you've accomplished things during the day, and chores are something that you just think, well, that's there, but it just makes you feel better, and yeah, and that's something that your daughter mentioned as well in the podcast. She said that she encourages her friends. Uh, also to organize because it's going to make them feel better. Yeah, absolutely. And when, and I'll notice, cause I give my kids space. Like a lot of times I'll get the question from people's, you know, how much wiggle room do you give kids in order to express themselves, be messy, whatever. And, you know, there's not a one size fits all, but I, my general rule of thumb is, you know, in the common areas, we have certain rules and guidelines, right? Like you, I don't want your stuff out all the time. And my house is lived in, you know, again, it's, I, I don't live in an Instagram post or Pinterest picture. My kids are working on a project or they're doing stuff, stuff's out. But I do ask that, at, you know, at the end of the day, we put it back and hang up your stuff. And again, it's all about the ease of retrieval. I want to know when I need it, where it is. And that's my mindset for everything is it's not about the act of putting it away. It's about how quickly can I go get it when I need it. And so in common areas, we have sort of like kind of general house rules. I allow them, each of my girls, my older one's at college now, but even when she's home, like I allow them some wiggle room to be messy if they want to be messy. I feel like they are allowed to have a certain amount of space. I do have like the can't be gray gardens, like, and there's no food in there. I don't want any like raccoons, but if they want to just have their room be a little messy, that's on them. Um, once it gets to a point where I'm like, I have a one laundry basket rule. 
So you can't have more than one laundry basket of either clean or dirty clothes in your room at one point. So you have to have that. That's like, that's kind of like my benchmark. And periodically I will like pop in and go, okay, like it's starting to look a little out of control. You need to do something. It's oozing into the hallway. Yeah. I'm like, no, you're, you're not doing it. But what's interesting is so many times my, both of my kids have said, oh, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. And I'm like, no, we need to kind of go through and let's do a deep dive of your of your clothes and purge and do all this stuff. And my kids are great. They don't really have a, like, they're good with getting rid of stuff, but it's just like, they'd rather be doing something else, which I completely understand. But once they do it, they're like, I feel so much better. I'm so glad it's done. Yeah. And that, and that is the thing. It's the, how it makes you feel feel. And that goes back to that whole emotional part of we don't realize that when we're in our space, the anxiety that seeing this disarray or stuff that's just kind of like out of control can, you know, play into our emotions in all aspects of our lives. Absolutely, absolutely. And we're running out of time, Lori, but I just wanted to mention, um, and maybe we can talk about it another time. Two things that you've been at this for a while, your business, and I'd love someday to talk to you about how it's morphed into what it is that you do now in your business, because you were originally an organizer and you have clients, you still do, but now you've kind of developed into this whole new area where you're helping other organizers with their business. Mm -hmm. Am I saying that properly? Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. And I can absolutely speak to that. So- Basically, as when I started my business, I, you know, I knew that I wanted to help people and it was great. And I was super busy and kind of building out my network of people. And then when I started my podcast and, and wrote the book, I started getting outreach from people in other geographic areas. And as a, just as a human, I'm a connector. I'm that person that if you moved here and you're like, I need a hairdresser. I need a painter. I need a landscaper. Like, call me and I'll give you a bunch of referrals. I'm just that person. And what I found was really interesting was I didn't have like a cultivated network of other professional organizers. Like, I knew people that I had seen on social media that were in other areas, but I didn't really have any relationships, any like trusted referrals. And I said, you know what? This is ridiculous. There's a lot of art, thankfully my industry was starting to get more mainstream. And, you know, like I said, I started in 2009. People were like, what what is a professional organizer? I always say there was no Pinterest and no Instagram. So like just marinate on that for a second. And fast forward 2017, you've got Instagram, you've got Pinterest, you've got Marie Kondo, you've got all these things, like all of this very mainstream language giving professional organizing a more, a greater platform, which I love. And I think you could go one of two ways in any industry. When an industry starts to become a little bit more saturated, you get people that tend to kind of, no pun intended, kind of hoard and say, I don't want to share. I'm going to take my, I'm going to take my toys and I'm going to sit over here. And then you've got people that which is kind of the camp that I fall into, which is more the abundance of like the more the merrier. There's plenty of room for everybody. There's everyone's got a different style, a different approach, and people resonate with people differently. 
And so I wanted, I said, this is an opportunity for me to connect up with other professional organizers so I can say, hey, if I have somebody's mother, sister, cousin, friend that lives in San Diego, oh, you can call my friend Courtney Wilson at Simply Sort, and she's great, and she'll take great care of you. And so that's really how it began. It was just cultivating this network of people in different geographic markets. And what I found organically just through working with these people is a lot of them were really passionate about the organizing industry, but maybe came from being a stay-at-home mom or came from being a teacher or some other industry that really didn't focus in on kind of the business side of the business. And we're looking at like, okay, I'm great with products and helping people get organized, but I could really use like a mentor or, you know, I hate the word coach. It's a little overplayed, but really like a business mentor that can help me walk through kind of how to build a business. And so it just, again, organically grew into more of a mentorship community of people that not only am I endorsing and supporting these independent organizers, they don't work for me. They're not Part of they're part of my SBO community, but they're their own companies, and just provide them with like all the things I did wrong. You know, let me save you some time. Like, don't make this mistake. And this worked for me. And you know, when you have this scenario, here's some ways that you can address it. And so it's become this really great collaborative community of professional organizers, and I'm just super proud of them. And you know, I love it. And it's allowed me to continue my platform of speaking and doing work about really connecting people's personalities and clutter strategies um, and looking at clutter just not as two-dimensional and really looking at it from a three-dimensional perspective. So you uncluttered your calendar. I did. And I, I mean, listen, and I, again, I have worn all the hats and I've done all the things and I've, and I still probably bite off more than I can chew at times, but I've gotten a lot better at delegating things and just prioritizing and saying, okay, right now, this is, this is important. So this is going to take a back burner. And sometimes things juggle around and, you know, um, and then obviously people that went with especially people who had little kids with COVID um, during quarantine and everything being at home. Like there's so much grace we have to give ourselves um, because a lot of times we really just think we're supposed to be able to do it all. And that's not how we were designed. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of of the things that you did um, prioritize and make time for was to become a first-time author. So I just want you to mention your book again. And oh, sure. Yeah, maybe someday we'll have you back and talk about the publishing process. Everybody's very interested in that. I feel, feel like everyone feels they have a book in them, and that's always yeah. a great story. But I know we're running out of time. No, it's it's fine. We have a few minutes. I mean, I have a few minutes. So um, basically, in short, um, I kind of always knew I wanted to write a book. Um, and I felt like the area that I felt most confident in writing about um, was organizing. And so I I took the years of experience that I had in working with clients and just through my own experience as a parent and as a wife and just life and compiled it into this book called Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized. And I wanted to make it more of a resource guide for people. Um, And so we broke it down and we talk about the first 
it's basically in three sections. So the first section is all about the what is clutter. And I talk about the three different types of clutter. And then we talk about some specific strategies of how to address it. And then the third section is kind of like pick your own adventure. It's a room by room. So you can pick and choose if there's an area that you're struggling with. You can go and I make product recommendations and I talk about some apps that I like and resources that I like that I use. Um, And I tell, I pepper it with anecdotal stories and it's very much told in my narrative. And in terms of the, the, um, the publishing process, you know, for me, that was probably the biggest, uh, one of the biggest uh, like areas of struggle for myself internally was figuring out, did I want to go a traditional publishing route or did I want to do more of an integrated, like a self-publishing um, or independent, go with an independent publisher. And in the end, I'll, you know, I wound up going with the independent route because for me, I it was important that I was able to own my intellectual property and I wanted to be able to get this into people's hands. And as much as I think everybody would love to say, oh, I'm, you know, a best-selling author from, you know, this publishing house or whatever, really, when I really kind of strip back what my goals were, it was to get content in people's hands and to be able to share these strategies with people and make it easy and accessible for them. And nowadays, there's so many different ways that you can go about the publishing process. And, you know, for me, I did hire a team of people. I hired copy editors, line editors, graphic designers. So, I really focused in on the areas that I felt confident in, which was writing the content, and then had a team of freelancers work with me on formatting, layout, all of that stuff that I did not know about. Um, and so it was basically, I basically project managed my book. Like I would project manage a, you know, anything else, any other project. And, um, and right. that was it. So it was it was very um, eye-opening and humbling and a lot of work. A lot but of work. Worth it. A lot of work. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you turn into your own publishing company. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what you've produced is a trade paperback like any other paperback you'd find anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, and then it's like the whole marketing, which is any part of a business is once it's done, it's how are we getting it out there? How are we getting it in front of people, you know, putting it in, you know, gifting it, trying to get on, do, I had my own, I had a book tour that I did. Um, I did book signings. I, so all of those things, you're just factoring that in. So again, when you talk about calendar clutter during that particular season, a lot of other things had to put on the back burner. I took a step back from clients. I only worked with a couple of like my long-term clients. There was a point in time where I didn't take on new clients because I knew that I needed to get this done and and put it out there. And that was re- going to require my time. And I only had so much. I need sleep. I'm not one of those people that doesn't need sleep. So unfortunately for me, it's not like, well, I just stayed up till two in the morning and then got up again at five. Uh-uh. Like, I wish that were me, but it's not. So I, you know, I encourage anybody that wants to do it. Thankfully, there's so many great resources and ways to be able to do independent publishing and 
it's it's accessible to people, but it's still a lot of work. And so if you have it in you and you want to do it, I say go for it. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And just, just that there are so many different uh, ways that you can go with it. You can hybrid a little bit or absolutely. And it sounds yep. like that's kind of what you did. Yeah, I did a hybrid. I did a, like a hybrid of of it. And, you know, my book is sold at all major retailers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, and, you know, again, I've worked with local bookstores and bookstores can pick it up and some bookstores pick it up on their own. Local bookstores, I went in there like old school, gave them a sample of my book, love for you to carry it. Then they did. So, I mean, again, it's how much do you want? What do you want to get out of it? And what, again, just like anything, what's your, what's your why? What's your why for organizing a space? What's your why for writing a book? That's not from a judgment. You have to know your reason and what is it that you want to get out of it? And um, for me, I wanted to be able to have something tangible that I could give to people if they wanted me to kind of be with them if I couldn't be with them. And so that was, you know, that was kind of what I wanted to do. That's and, awesome. And yeah. how, how's it going? How are the sales? I mean, it's great. And I, I love it when, you know, I have someone that says, hey, I'm in some local little bookstore in Iowa and I just saw your book, which is great because I'm like, you know, how did they see me, which is, but it's awesome to think when people that you don't know, because again, just like anything, when you start a business, you think, okay, the only people that are going to read it, listen to it, watch it, buy it are going to be like the five people in your family. And it was the same way when I started my podcast, I had, I like begged my family, I go, can you just subscribe to this? Cause I don't think anybody's going to listen to it. And then lo and behold, you know, my producer's like, you're on iTunes new and noteworthy. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he's like, it means a lot of people are listening. And you just, you shake your head and you go, oh, I guess what I'm doing matters. Or I guess what I'm doing is resonating with people. And so you just keep doing it. And you just can't be afraid of what people are saying, because there's always going to be people that aren't going to be supportive, but that's life. And you got to do things for, you know, for why you think you're called to do them. So I encourage any entrepreneur to, to follow whatever they're whatever their passions are. That's such great advice, Lori. We're going to have you back for a whole segment. Oh, thank yeah. you. Let's You're so sweet. With, yeah, naysayers and keep keep moving and keep going. And if you have something that you feel has to get out there, do it. Yeah. And and I think that that has a lot to do with my personality. I'm not, I'm a very direct, tell it like it is. I'm the tough love mom. And for me, I'm like, okay, like it, it does. I don't take things personally. Like, okay, if you don't like my podcast, that's okay. There's a million other ones that you don't have to listen to it. You're not hurting my feelings. Um, and the same with my book. I wrote my book because it was something that I felt called to do. Again, it's not the Bible. It's not the gospel. If the world will continue to spin on its access, whether you read it or not. But I think it's fun and and it gives people a different perspective where they don't feel like they have to measure up to this level of perfection. Um, and yeah. that was really what I wanted to be able to provide people was, okay, a lot of times people are telling you what to do and you're like, okay, that doesn't work. Or a lot of times people are giving you all of this like theory and you're like, okay, that's great, but now what? So I kind of wanted to connect the dots of going, here's a little bit of the why and here's a little bit of the how. And that's kind of what the book hopefully bridges the gap. Do you plan on writing another? 
I definitely have another book in me. Um, and, but the thought, the process, the thought of doing it is a lot. So I recently launched a digital course and that I, which I originally, and I still might turn that into a book. Um, but the course was a little bit easier for me to get out there into the world. And I said, I could get it again, going back to my wives, like I have this content, I want to get it out, want to get into people's hands. And for me, I was able to get into their hands quicker digitally than through going through the entire publishing process. So it's there somewhere. I just have to get to that point of knowing I'm ready to buckle down and do it. Right. And having having been through it once, you know when the right time is. Yeah. Yeah. For you, because it is a lot of work. Yes. And sometimes the first time's easier because you don't always know and you're like, oh, I did. Where now I'm like, oh, I know that this is going to be a really hard part of this or this is going to be really tedious like this, you know. So sometimes it's, it's, almost, it's like childbirth. You know, you're like, you don't know what you don't know at the beginning. And then you're like, oh, no, here it comes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, too funny. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Lori. I'm going to give your uh, locations again. We've been speaking yeah. with Lori Palau. She's the owner of Simply Be Organized. You can reach her at Simply Be, the letter B, organized.com, and the author of Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized, and also a podcast hope of this or host of This Organized Life. Thanks so much, Lori, for being with us. Hope, hope you'll join us again. I absolutely will. Thank you so much, Claudine. Thank you. And you are listening to Stories and Strategies for Women. You're listening to Stories and Strategies for Women podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. Visit me at my website, ClaudineWalk.com. Drop me a note on Instagram at ClaudineWalk. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Mm-hmm.